Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. It's important that everybody is sitting down for what I'm about to say next. Important that if you're driving in your car, your hands are on 10 and 2. I've heard people say now they teach 9 and 3, just proving that we are destroying America one day at a time. 10 and 2 is where you put your hands. I'm not changing from it. Tony Katz, that's me. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything. TonyKatz.locals.com. You need to be sitting. You need to be strapped in. You need to be uh, not around anything, I don't know, sharp. For the story I'm about to share, because the story is that M&Ms are not woke enough. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 I swear to you, this is nuts. It seems that the M&M people, that's candy... For those of you who are new to the game, it's candy. It's chocolate in a little candy shell, and it melts in your mouth, not in your hands, right? Gen X, we remember. And and then and then what happens is, is that you eat the candy by the handful. And then sometimes you'll see the big bowl of M&Ms, and you'll grab for it, and you'll throw them in your mouth, and then you realize they were Skittles and not M&Ms, and you're like, dear Lord, what is this treachery? Because Skittles are disgusting, M&Ms are great. Back to the candy. They've got the, the candy of spokespeople, right? And they got the dumb one, and they got the so-called smart one, and then they got the, the, the green M&M, the chick, and then there's a brown M&M, and there's an M&M for everything. Well, they decided that somehow, I guess it's wrong to have women M&Ms, because after all, what is a woman? Or, or whatever the case may be. So they took, they took the M&M that wore the boots, you know, like the go-go boots, like it's the 60s, it's Austin Powers. Yeah, baby. And and they, they got rid of the boots. You're wearing sneakers. See, what's important is that our candy is is representative of everybody. This is what they said. We took a deep look at our characters, both inside and out, and have evolved their look, personalities, and backstories to be more representative of today's society. As the world changes, so do we. No, 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 no. You're M&M's. As the world changes, you remain a bedrock in our candy society. You remain our North Candy Star. That's your job. You and the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, all you got to do is stay the same. Don't change anything. They decided they needed to uh, be more progressive. So they made the changes. They changed the ridiculous, they're cartoons. We don't care. We just want the candy. So they changed the candy. Studies show our desire to belong is as strong as our desire to be loved. And that desire is common for all people, irrespective of culture, race, ethnicity, geography, or location. We're on a mission to create a world where everyone feels they belong using the power of fun. Join us in being for all fun kind. Head to the link in bio to learn more. They did that on Instagram. It's candy. We just want to eat it. And we want it to be the candy we had yesterday. We want it to be the same candy tomorrow. That's what we want. Well, this got everybody crazy. 
people saying, why are you doing this? And people saying, you're not going far enough. You're not woke enough. So much so has there been a reaction that the people of M&M's just put out a statement. This is real. I couldn't make this up if I wanted to, guys. On my best day, I couldn't make it up. Here's what they said. All right, here we go. America, let's talk. In the last year, we've made some changes to our beloved Spokes Candies. We weren't sure if anyone would even notice, and we definitely didn't think it would break the internet. But now we get it. Even a candy's shoes can be polarizing, which was the last thing M&M's wanted since we're all about bringing people together. Therefore, we have decided to take an indefinite pause from the spokes candies. In their place, we are proud to introduce a spokesperson America can agree on, the beloved Maya Rudolph. We are confident Ms. Rudolph will champion the power of fun to create a world where everyone feels they belong. Signed, M&M's. First, uh, I'm a huge fan of Maya Rudolph. She makes me laugh out loud. Second of all, Ms. Rudolph, <laughs> you're already doomed, M&M's. Third of all, who are you trying to please here? The woke? They cannot be pleased! They are angry, bitter, terrible, awful people who lead miserable lives and want you to lead a miserable life as well. Don't let them. Don't change the damn shoes. Don't change anything you don't want to change. Don't change it for the woke folk. Don't be inclusive. Just sell candy. That's all you have to do. Sell candy. Sell me sugar. Let me buy the sugar, let me eat the sugar, and then let me say, damn, that's good sugar, I want some more sugar. You did this to yourself, M&Ms. You deserve what you get. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. You've got San Francisco against Philadelphia, and you've got Cincinnati going back to Kansas City. These AFC and NFC games for the NFL are set. Meanwhile, IU is back on a winning streak, and Purdue clearly making the case to be number one. Tony Katz, good to be with you. JMV joins us from 93.5, 107.5, the fan, right here in Indianapolis, Indiana. I want to take it to that IU game against Michigan State. Um, Man, they look good. They look strong. I don't even understand how they had the three-game losing skid. This is two wins in a row. you got to enjoy the Michigan State win, no matter how that team is doing this year. Um, Have they figured out defense, or is there really something to this? If you play strong in the first five minutes of each half, everything's going to be okay. Hey, Tony, a couple of things I think you and Mike Woodson should bottle in the last three games, certainly, but certainly in in yesterday's game as well, is – you know, the enthusiasm that they have now discovered playing defense for whatever reason. We saw that. We talked about it last week. We saw that during that Wisconsin game. That certainly was some inspiration we hadn't seen on the defensive end prior to against Penn State or Northwestern or even the second half of Iowa. So you can bottle that up if you're Mike Woodson. And the other thing is Tamar Bates. Tamar Bates yesterday was huge from three-point range. You saw a couple of different times. He was on the ball side, post-feed side of Trace Jackson Davis. And when his man decided to go double, that left him all alone. 
and he knocked down three after three. That is so huge. That is really a dynamic changer for this team offensively. If they can find somebody, I'm not suggesting Tamar Bates is going to be that somebody, but if they can find somebody that can do what he did yesterday from three-point range, that changes everything offensively for this IU team and makes, I think, Trey Jackson Davis, as good as he has been, even better. So two things that Mike Woodson needs to bottle up, that three-point shooting from Tamar Bates and whatever has inspired this defensive effort in the last three because Tony has just been different. Yeah, they are They are making their case, certainly uh, for back into the top 25, but they're making their case that they really could engage well uh, when March Madness comes and we're only a month away from seeing how that's all going to play out. But it's Purdue making the case for number one. Just absolutely, positively uh, crushing. And with the Houston loss that took place over the weekend, how are the Boilermakers not the number one team in college basketball again? Well, I tell you they are because Kansas got blown out of their own building on Saturday afternoon by TCU and then Houston yesterday. So they are going to return to the number one spot. And then hopefully they get that matchup with IU coming up, I believe, on February the 4th. That would be really cool if they're number one and when they, they had that first of two meetings with IU. But that aside, you saw once again something we talked about last week, Tony, is this team in clutch situations and one possession games, and they have done this for the most part on the road, which has been impressive. Road wins in those clutch situations has been incredibly tough for them in those one-possession games, and you saw that again yesterday, although it was in their own building. They just, down the stretch, they don't panic. Their coach, their players, no matter who we're talking about, and especially you know, those freshmen in the backcourt, they don't panic. They have been so good in those clutch situations, and you saw another one-possession game win, but this time it was in Matthew yesterday. Talking to JMV from 93.5, 107.5, the fan right here in Indianapolis. Um, is there – when I first got to, to, to Indianapolis, I, I was – all I was told about was, you know, how much uh, IU football, uh, not IU football, IU basketball is loved. How much IU yeah. basketball is adored. How much IU basketball is revered. And in my time uh, here, uh, Purdue has more often than not been uh, the, the better team. Is there a shift has the shift been completed that the that the future will be dominated by Purdue basketball, or will it be win, lose, or whatever, IU basketball will always be the dominant thought in, in, in the eyes, ears, and minds of a Hoosier? Well, I mean, let's just face it. I mean, IU is always going to be, I don't know if you would call it any more the dominant thought, but it's certainly going to be the the more prevalent Tony thought here. It's, it's just always going to be, because that's what IU basketball is, and that's why I love Matt Painter so much. Because Matt Painter grew up an IU fan. Uh, he has a deeply rooted appreciation for the history and the heritage of IU basketball, just like he does his own basketball program. In fact, I've always said this, too, and some people laugh, but Matt Painter would have been a perfect head coach. Matt Painter is exactly what IU fans have been looking for. I'm not suggesting they don't like Mike Woodson because they do right now because they're winning, but he would have been the perfect coach who has – Obviously, recruiting roots and ties predominantly in the state of Indiana um, is somebody that you look on the sideline and, you know, coaching it up. That's always kind of been an embraceable thing. Even if IU fans hate Purdue, they've always, even maybe secretly, 
embrace Matt Painter for what he does and how they enjoy watch him and coach it up. Now, he's building his own thing here. IU basketball, Tony, is always going to be IU basketball in this state. There's no way around it. But he has developed his own history, his own heritage. He's over 400 wins now on his career. Just an absolute incredible body of work. And I'm going to tell you what, Painter's an even better dude as he is a coach. That's a hell of a combination. You take a look at Purdue and what they have coming forward. Uh, They're going to be – Michigan, uh, they've got the Michigan State and Penn State game. And then, yes, February 4th, it's IU. And then at the end of the month, uh, the 25th uh, versus IU, things that we will be watching. Let's take it back uh, to our favorite subject. The (laughs) coaching search continues for the Indianapolis Colts. Eight coaches have been interviewed. I have my interview on Tuesday. I'm very excited. Yeah, we, why shouldn't you be? You should be excited because you may get a call to be interviewed. No, That's no, no, I am. It's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. It's gonna be. It's gonna be fantastic. It's gonna be me. It's gonna be Jim. We're gonna get on the private plane. We're gonna fly around and we'll teach them a little bit about cigars. Next thing you know, boom, I'm the coach. Well, and then see, that's what happens you, on, on Wednesday because you can also take the private Jim Irsay jet to wherever your destination is going to be that's going to be messed up because of this uh, snowstorm that is coming right. in. But, no, Mike Kafka was the latest, the offensive coordinator of the Giants, and, you know, that that left a mark a little bit, that Giants game in Philly this past weekend. But, uh, again, as we talked about last week, Tony, it's just something where they're bringing in anybody and everybody. I don't know if there's a philosophy behind it other than Chris Ballard, I guess, wanting to see everybody, wanting to prove to Jim Irsay he's bringing in everybody. But there are theories, and one theory is maybe you're bringing in all these candidates because you want to make sure that Jim Irsay understands that there are plenty of choices here. You don't necessarily have to bounce back to the interim head coach and Jeff Saturday. That is just a theory, but, you know, given the fact of what we went through this past year, I wouldn't completely put it to bed, but, um, yeah, casting a wide net is what Chris Ballard said they were going to do, and evidently that's what they've decided to do. That's insane. (laughs) Insane. How does anybody see it otherwise? How does anybody look at this and not say to themselves, wait, Ballard's playing Ursay by having all these coaching choices to do everything possible to ensure it's not Jeff Saturday? Yes. He doesn't know he's getting played? That's a, that's a, that's a theory though. I mean, you hear a lot of off the wall theories and what you do sitting right there every morning. That's just, that's a theory. I'm not necessarily suggesting anybody buy into it, but there are a lot of names here. And it's funny. You get, you know, the younger type of coordinator up and coming guy compared to, you know, like a Dan Quinn, for example, or Wink Martindale. You know, Wink Martindale's another that they're interviewing. Fifty-nine year old guy, probably a little bit crusty. And, and I've mentioned to you before, Tony. I think what they need, I think they need a crusty guy. I think they need a crusty guy. Been there, done that. Kind of a firm hand, because I think that team showed us this past year that they need that type. The Frank Wright type didn't work. They need more of that firm grasp. I think Dan Quinn. Even in that loss for Dallas yesterday as the defensive coordinator is that from grass. But you know, right now there's a lot more young up-and-coming coordinators than there is anything else. It seems like that's what Chris Ballard has his eye on. Give me the odds that Jeff Saturday keeps the gig. Over 50% because the owner likes it. <laughs> 
Right? <laughs> yes. Over 50%, son Over of a... Over 50%? Ha! Hey, I tell you what, no, 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 no. You know what? For the sake of getting off the middle line here, I'll, I'll go 60% Saturday until I hear otherwise. Because all I've heard, and I know this to be true, is how much that Jim Irsay trusts Jeff Saturday. And in oh, fact, God. I think we saw this. We, we saw this. We saw this during the year. I mean, he went completely against Chris Ballard's wishes on this. You bring Jeff Saturday in, Tony, for nothing else. Even if you didn't think he was going to coach, you brought him in for the intel. Intel on your team, intel on your organization that you could have easily gotten from those that you're already paying to do it, right? So, yeah, 60% right now as it stands. My thanks to JMV. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Man, we've been talking about this for a while now. And I am more convinced than ever that the possibility of Jeff Saturday remaining the coach are super high. Why would I not? At this stage, why would you not? But yet, if we if we take JMV at, at his word, and I, I, I always do, Greg Ballard's having this search to be able to show Jim Irsay, all the options outside of Saturday because he doesn't want Saturday? Well, then come out and say you don't want Saturday. Just come out and say it. Here, Here's one for you. Man up. Why isn't that the conversation? Why isn't the conversation man up? You don't want him. Say the words. Say the words. Whole thing is ridiculous to me. Absolutely ridiculous. And I must say it again because it has to be said, I have nothing against Jeff Saturday. I want the man to be successful. Why would I not? I don't win anything if he's not successful. I don't get anything. I don't get a free bowl of soup. Nothing. Nothing. But you can't look favorably at what just happened. You cannot look favorably at this season. You can't look favorably at any part of it, you just look around and you're like, but his whole place sucks. That's right, it sucks. That's it. The end. So why would I think it's going to be better if you keep the same two guys in place? By the way, after this season, I, I'm willing to believe that Frank Reich has a head coaching job next year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. People are going to put this on Ursay and not on, on, on Reich because of what's happening now. Maybe not even what happened in the season. I think what's happening now, I am convinced this looks worse than anybody really can comprehend and understand. This looks bad because it is. And I think keeping both Saturday and Ballard is telling the fans to kiss off. I don't think that's a good look. One or the other, the fans might be able to handle. And I, I honestly think they would handle Saturday over Ballard. My take. I could be wrong. I could be proven wrong. And, and we'll see from the, from the reaction of, of, of you, right, of, 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 of thousands, if not millions, of, uh, of Colts fans. But I, I, they, they could handle Saturday more than Ballard. Keeping both, you're good. I hope Jim Mercer is ready to hear it. No one cares about the band, man. You keep both. No one cares about the... No one's going to listen to the music, man. That's not the way it's going to work. 
You're going to be hearing from them. Going to get nasty. Keep it all here. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. There's trouble down at the mill. Well, actually, it's not a mill. It is an EV battery plant where the project for a $2.4 billion electric vehicle battery manufacturing plant has been put on hold. Tony Katz, good to be with you. Gary Dick joins us from InsideIndianaBusiness.com on Twitter at IIB. Uh, This is not a fun story. This is reported from the Wall Street Journal with GM and LG Energy Solutions having a a problem. Talk to me about what the problem is and talk to me about what they're discussing regarding solutions. Uh, Yeah, big uh, announcement uh, some months ago uh, in northern Indiana, uh, Tony, in terms of uh, a big potential electric vehicle battery uh, plant, General Motors, uh, LG Energy Solution, which is a big South Korean uh, battery company, uh, created a lot of buzz, a lot of excitement, uh, huge investment, over $2 billion, 1,600 jobs. Wall Street Journal, first to report on Friday, kind of out of the blue news that uh, basically talks have broken down between GM and LG Solution. The plant, at least for the time being, is on hold. Uh, we're told it's on hold indefinitely. We talked with folks in northern Indiana uh, late on Friday. Uh, they uh, expressed a bit of surprise. They've been working a lot with General Motors, but not as much with LG uh, Energy Solution. Uh, so this kind of came out of left field. They remain confident that a project is going to happen. I think what is going to happen is, is uh, GM may be looking for another partner, and that certainly, uh, you would think, uh, might uh, might delay this project if it does, in fact, happen for some time. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Who's looking for the new partner? GM. General Motors. So LG is is have they determined officially that they're pulling out? Is there something about this specific deal? Is it because they're doing deals elsewhere that they feel that they've got their battery needs covered? Yeah, yeah, you know, great question. We're hearing uh, uh, reports nationally that uh, LG Energy Solution may be uh, becoming a bit because of the economy, because of the economy slow down, whatever that might take shape uh, in the year ahead here in 2023. GM wants to uh, really up uh, its uh, up its uh, production, uh, be a little bit more aggressive, and uh, LG Energy Solution not uh, not as interested in doing that. So that that may be one of the factors at play uh, as uh, as this project goes forward. This joint venture uh, already has operations in Warren, Ohio, huge investment, almost three billion dollars there. Spring Hill, Tennessee. This would have been, uh, or this would be the fourth uh, battery uh, plant from this uh, from this joint venture but uh, at least for the time being uh, it is uh, it's on hold you've got Brad Chambers the Secretary of Commerce of course you have the governor Eric Holcomb yeah. how are they responding to this and do they have other people in the pipeline that they can help GM kind of kind of fill the, the the gap here because they want to still be able to say look at all the jobs we're bringing uh in in this battery tech in this EV tech to the state of Indiana you don't want to lose this 
Yeah, and uh, I, I know that both have not talked directly to them since this news came out, but I know uh, both in particular Secretary of Cham- uh, Commerce uh, Brad Chambers talking about uh, uh, with optimism uh, the investment potential specifically for this plant in northern Indiana. But you look at elsewhere around the state in Kokomo, the Stellantis Samsung SDI uh, joint venture, uh, which is something like $2.5 billion and 1,600 jobs uh, in Kokomo. That project is continuing to move forward. There is other investment out there. The question is, will Indiana get its fair share? I think there's a feeling at the state level that, yes, it will happen. And there's even, I mean, talking with other people uh, kind of surrounding the project, there's a feeling that uh, that site in New Carlisle for this GM uh, LG joint venture, that even if it is not this project, there are other uh, automakers who have expressed interest in the site. Uh, because it is a good site because of its location and where it is. So we'll we'll see how this plays out. The investment, uh, no matter what you think of the future of the uh, the electrification of the auto industry, it is happening. The automakers are investing literally billions of dollars, uh, and I know Indiana and uh, a lot of other states uh, are going after that investment. Talking to Gary Dick from InsideIndianaBusiness.com on Twitter at IIB. One of the headlines you have over there at InsideIndianaBusiness.com is about Fort Harrison and how mm-hmm. Fort Harrison is going to be the new downtown. For whom and how? The new downtown for the city of Lawrence. And, and you know, Tony, I've been around long enough. I remember covering the uh, the uh, transition, actually the shock that uh, existed around here when it was announced that Fort Harrison would close, all part of the base realignment and closure that uh, swept the United States a couple of decades ago. Uh, there was a vision back then to take this, uh, this once uh, bustling Army base and create uh, a live-work-play destination. A lot of people were skeptical, wondered if it would happen. There were fits and starts. But if you go out there now, Tony, we did the show from uh, Fort Harrison this past weekend, uh, $200 million plus in investment in just the past five years. There's a new cultural district. Heartland Film has moved its headquarters there. I think they're going to christen that uh, next week uh, or this week, I should say. Uh, there is uh, a new $70 million high-end uh, apartment complex. Keystone uh, is going to be uh, uh, building that uh, deal out there, restaurants, retail uh, it is a it is a new place, and as uh, Mayor Steve Collier told me, that's going to be the new city center, if you will, the center of the city of Lawrence uh, at Fort Harrison. So it's been interesting to watch this. Certainly, a much different uh, uh, situation there and location there than uh, it was uh, 20 years ago. They're also uh, discussing some new hotels that are going yeah. in uh, to the area. You mentioned Heartland uh, Film uh, deciding to move over there. You mentioned an apartment uh, complex, 248 units, uh, as is described this uh, from uh, the Keystone uh, Group. That's our Saul Ozdemir, of course, uh, owner mm-hmm. of the Indy 11. Um, yep. D- is... Does it is all it take is an announcement, an announcement like this, and all of a sudden you have the opportunity to bring four or five corporate headquarters, two or three of this, six or seven of that, and the next thing you know, property values just went up twelve <laughs> percent. Yeah, well, I tell you, success you know, success breeds success, and uh, you know, there was a time when there were serious questions about what the future of Fort Harrison was going to be. Uh, they developed the state park. There's a championship golf course there, and some amenities, some office uh, space. 
but over time, and as, as uh, folks have looked at investment opportunities, that location, that proximity to downtown uh, Indianapolis, maybe 10 minutes away uh, from downtown Indy, yet you're in a more of a suburban uh, setting, it has become more and more uh, attractive. You mentioned the hotel. Uh, the Hilton True Hotel has opened there. There's another hotel. I know they want to try to get on the books there to tap into not only what's going on in that area, but it also including some of the amateur sports, soccer, and some of those uh, types of things going on out there. So uh, it, it has been kind of an, a, an evolution. I mentioned the cultural district, if you will, and you know we use those terms live, work, play, environment uh, a lot maybe overly so, but uh, communities all over the state trying to create this live-work-play environment. And the folks in Lawrence feel as though they have, uh, they have done that or are doing that with, uh, with Ford Harrison. Talking to Gary Dick inside IndianaBusiness.com on Twitter at IIB. The session is still going on. We have a couple months left. Uh, we, we'll go through April before this uh, General Assembly. Um, the workforce development conversation constantly and continually comes up, and it's become, for me, this almost catch-all that creates a blank stare, and no one actually knows what it means. In the end result, is Indiana actually willing to make the investments to make sure that the people who know how to do things stay here, or is it just more of, hey, we should do this, and nothing happens? Yeah, and your point is well taken. You know, workforce development, talent pipeline, um, you know, all those uh, those kind of catch-all phrases we hear a lot. Uh, it does become uh, you know, commonplace in communities all over states, all over the, the country are battling, you, you know, workforce issues, getting those trained people in, into the pipeline. Uh, we will see. The governor in uh, his agenda to the, uh, to the legislature has put uh, a, a lot of dollars toward uh, workforce development uh, in connecting uh, universities, both two- and four-year universities and colleges in the state with the business community and others. And I think it's interesting. We had Katie Jenner, the, the uh, Secretary of Education, on the show this weekend talking about K-12 education. Does that have a role in workforce development? And she believes it does and needs to be more of a role in terms terms of getting the private sector more engaged in going into these high schools and getting uh, work relationships established with students at the high school level. She pointed to several uh, uh, examples, Batesville, Evansville, where companies in Toyota, Southwest Indiana, Toyota going in and and, uh, actually students being able to go and work in the plant, get work experience when they graduate. They've got uh, they've got they've got schooling and also work experience that they could go potentially right into uh, right into a job uh, on the plant floor. So I think we're going to see the private sector get more involved. They talk a lot about the need for workforce, but have they been involved enough? Some people say no, they need to get more involved. I think we'll maybe see a bit more of that uh, here in the coming months. I think the conversation needs to be bigger than that, and I appreciate Gary Dick inside IndianaBusiness.com on Twitter at IIB. It's not about we need to increase the conversation. What does it mean? Workforce development, in the end, could you actually describe to somebody in an elevator pitch, less than that, 10 seconds, what does it mean? Because I don't know how it doesn't mean anything more than or, or, or less than making sure we have got the kind of employees that can work in Indiana and enjoy it for the next 50 years. No, it doesn't matter what the job is. They're all not going to be coding jobs. They're all not going to be biomed jobs. They're all not going to be, you know, electric vehicle battery plants. 
There has to be construction and manufacturing of all types. You got to be able to handle the jobs that all Hoosiers need and not everybody is coding. I hate when they do this. Yes, you want to have those high paying jobs, but yes, you want to have jobs for everybody and not everybody was meant to code. So why would you only have jobs for that? That seems silly to me to ignore and avoid some of the other manufacturing opportunities and other opportunities that exist. Me, I want to be the people who are very focused on drug manufacturing. We should be the state that manufactures drugs. No, 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 no. You no, I I don't I don't I didn't mean that. I don't mean the, those drugs. You know I don't mean those. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. A bag of weed, a bag of weed, or everything is better with a bag of weed. It's the only nut that's available. Nut that's available. Nut that's available. I didn't mean that, you know it. You know it! But we should be the place that's manufacturing drugs. I mean, how is that not the future? How can we not make our claim there? What am I missing? You know, let's say I am. Well, you got to make your claim somewhere else. And you do that by saying to people, hey, we got the people coming out of IU and Purdue and Ball State and Notre Dame and Marion and this one and that one and the other one and your mother. And, well, that was a little personal right there. And we can handle all of your employee needs. But you can't top line the idea of, of, what is it, workforce development without saying to the workforce you want to develop, here's what we're going to do for you. Here's why it's better in Indiana. Where's the sales pitch? Why is it only about the grown workforce? Why isn't it about the imported workforce too? There are two components here. Let's go get them both. Let's go explain to people why it's going to be better in Indiana. Let's go explain to people why they can grow in Indiana, build in Indiana. Never mind just have the family in Indiana, have the good life in Indiana, have the entertainment in Indiana, have the fun in Indiana, all of it. Set your roots and set them straight and solid in Indiana. I don't know why this is so difficult. I think part of the problem is that no one talks about it the way I just did. With some fun and with some joy and with some purpose, with some oomph with a little bit of pizzazz. That's all I'm saying. Where's the salesmanship? Because you need to sell Indiana. It's a lot easier to sell Tennessee. It's a lot easier to sell Georgia. It's a lot easier to sell Florida. You got to sell this. And therefore, you got to be describing what it is this Workforce Development Act actually means. And, and I don't care what the governor thinks. It's a lousy job of selling it. The General Assembly has never done a good job of selling what workforce development actually means. But man, I wish they would. We'd be a hell of a lot better off if they were better at selling it. Better at reaching out. Better at finding ways to drive people here and getting people to stay here and realize, you know what? I've got it all already. I went to college here. I'm going to keep doing things here. The better job is not out there. Lousy job of that done by the state of Indiana. And I still don't think they understand how important that part of the pie is. And if they do, because it's possible that they do, they haven't shown it through their actions. Workforce development, workforce development. You know, there's an argument that, hey, it's not sexy, but it's important. Well, I think you need to make it sexy. If you want it to work, I think you're going to need to make it wicked sexy. One man's theory. One man's theory. Find everything. TonyCats.locals.com. This is Tony Katz today. I want to.
So holy weather, Batman. I mean, it's it's coming. This snow to central Indiana, it is coming. Aiming for Wednesday. So I'm staring at the weather report right now. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Now, the people down in Bloomington listening on WGCL, Bloomington's Voice, you're mostly in the clear. You're going to get some snow. As, as I last saw it, you were in the possible three to six inch category. Like that's, that's where it is for you. Cause like there are these bands that are going through it. I thought it was pretty interesting because like from Greencastle through Indianapolis, through Muncie, that's the six to nine inch category. Now this is going to start with rain late Tuesday night. And that rain is going to, uh, freeze, and then the snow is going to pile on top of it. So if you're in central Indiana, your commute Wednesday morning is going to suck. Oh, if you don't have to, don't do it. I th- This is me saying it. I, I have no word that schools are going to close. I think you're going to see it. Ice, snow, five to eight inches north of... of uh, of I-70, two to five, um, uh, south of that, two to five inches, one inch in southern Indiana. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, think, I think that's what you're going to see. I think that's what you're going to see. Actually, they kind of, this forecast moved it to four to eight inches that I'm looking at. But still, but still, Bloomington, you're in the one to four. You're just going to get some, some old-fashioned snow. This band from, t- actually, they're spreading it out now. Terre Haute to Fort Wayne, four to eight. So be ready for it. Be ready for it. Uh, you're going to need bread. You're going to need butter. You're going to need milk. I would tell you you need eggs, but you can't afford eggs. You can't afford to make French toast. What are you, nuts? Take out a second mortgage? Forget it. Can't be done. Uh, I will definitely have more on this in the next uh, 24 hours. And don't ask me how I'm getting down to Florida. I haven't figured that one out yet either. I got a trip that's already scheduled. It's supposed to leave Wednesday. I have no idea. Find everything. TonyCats.locals.com. Tomorrow, everyone, take care.